uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, we uh, we had Bedlam over the weekend. We've got another one tonight, but first let's bring you in and ask you how your weekend was. Uh, my weekend was great, Carson, because I was actually at the Bedlam game on Saturday, and I could not have gotten more lucky this season. I went to two games. I'm not going to any more. I went to the Kansas game in Stillwater that Oklahoma State won in a thriller at the end. And then I went to the Bedlam game in Norman in which K dropped 40 and they won in the 90s in overtime. So I was pretty fortunate with Man. the two games I attended this year. We got to get you up to Stillwater tonight. You can't you, you got to get a sweep of Bedlam. I'm wondering who's getting me tickets to Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. That's there what I want. Mike Boynton might uh, have you on the team bus at this point. You're <laughs> right. lucky charm. You're lucky charm. Uh, before we get into that massive Bedlam game, Kate Cunningham's performance, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop shop up in Stillwater. ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. Get all your cowboy shopping needs done as well. We always appreciate Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Again, we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast. So if you're in Stillwater tonight for Bedlam, be sure to stop at Chris's. They got all the latest OSU gear you could possibly want. Uh, you can probably get a number two cowboy jersey, I would think, that may or may not be linked to Cade Cunningham. So be go to, sure to go to Chris's before the big game tonight. So <clears throat> without further ado, my dog's ready for Bedlam. Uh, without further ado, Colby, you mentioned that you were there, Lloyd Noble Center. Um, I've talked a lot on this show about Cade Cunningham, you know, look, he's, he's been really good this year. He would have, you know, 20 points, five assists. And that's a, that's a really good game for a college basketball player. But when you're the consensus and I mean, consensus number one, overall pick every single mock draft you look at, I just kind of wanted a little more out of him. I wanted to see dominance. I wanted to see him make a team know that they don't belong on the same floor as he does, that he's an NBA basketball player you're a college basketball player. And my God, did we see that in Bedlam in the biggest game of the year to this point. And uh, wow, I don't know what else to say, Colby, other than Kate Cunningham absolutely delivered an epic performance. Yeah, I guess he was saving his best for Bedlam. I, You know, throughout the season, I've, I've been impressed with Kate. I, I think that coming in, you hear number one overall pick in the NBA draft. And we think of these guys who are like these elite scorers or a guy like Zion, who's just doing all these highlight dunks. And I think Cade's game is just a little different. We've talked about that some throughout the year where he's just more of a Swiss army knife, but you're absolutely right that on Saturday, he made sure everybody knew that he was different. He, he walked out there and he's like, you know what? One of these things on this court is not like the others. And that thing is me. And I, I, nobody can guard me. You know, they had Harkless on him for a while. They had Hill on him for a while. Uh, I don't think Reeves took too many tries at him. I think it was mostly Harkless and Hill down the stretch. And, I mean, he was just going one-on-one -on -one for a good stretch of that second half and overtime. Let's remember, Oklahoma State trailed by 10 in this game. They trailed by 7 at halftime in this game. Uh, and, and then OU came out and scored first in the second half, and it looked like it was teetering on OU being able to push it up into the double digits, at which point Bryce Williams breaks out of his funk with a couple of nice threes, gets him back into it, and then Cade just absolutely closed it. And one thing that's really important, Carson, and, and this is what's going to be able to lead this team uh, deep into March if they're going to, to get deep into March, Oklahoma State shot 23 of 26 as a team from the free throw line on Saturday, and 13 of those were by Cade. By the way, Cade was 13 of 14 in the game from the line. He missed his first free throw of the game. 
So after that point, he made 13 free throws in a row, a lot of those down the stretch to secure the win for Oklahoma State. So it was just an unbelievable Bedlam performance. It really was, and that's that's an excellent point. I think your point's well well taken as well about how Cade is just – he's different than a lot of number one picks in that he's – He's a point guard. He's not just a volume scorer. I mean, you think of the great Bedlam games over the years. Trey Young had 48, but he took 39 shots. That's like Cage is so much more efficient in terms of his Correct me if I'm wrong, but OU lost that game, right? They did lose that game. That was the Mitchell Solomon game. Flying across the (laughs) the floor, diving for the basketball. So that that illustrates that point. And again, just again, this this will go down, Colby, as one of the most iconic Bedlam performances we've seen. I think. The, the first one that comes to mind, the only one who scored more in a Bedlam game for Oklahoma State is Jawan Evans. He had 42 in Stillwater. He scored the final 20 points of the game for OSU, but they did lose that game. So I think this is probably the best performance. It is the best performance of an OSU team that has won the game. But uh, don't you think Cade really kind of, you know, he's only going to be here one year. I mean, tonight's his final game in Gallagher, but Arena. Don't you think Cade really put his stamp and uh, seal of approval on, on Bedlam? Yeah, I think he did. And it's one of those things where, look, Cade was going to be remembered um, in in great respects, regardless of what happened in Bedlam in Stillwater. But Bedlam is where legends are made. That is where you cement your status as a legend and a hero in, in Oklahoma State sports history. And Cade did that on Saturday. And I, and I think that that game, and we'll see what happens tonight. You know, if he backs it up, you know, hits a game winner or something tonight, then all of a sudden we might have a statue uh, for Cade before we ever get one for Barry. But I, I just, what he did Saturday was so, so impressive. His, his interview after the game was so impressive. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the one on, on radio that he did with Dave and John. I was at the game, so of course I didn't see the TV interview. Uh, we stood around while he did the TV interview. They kept him for like 10 minutes, it felt like, <laughs> doing the TV interview. But then you saw the video that Oklahoma State basketball tweeted out. He goes in the locker room. Him and Coach Boynton go crazy. Everybody's going crazy. It's, it's amazing how in one year – you can visually see the culture shift in Oklahoma State basketball, Carson, where it's like it felt like you were swimming upstream. It felt like this program was swimming upstream from the time Boynton got on campus until this year. And now it feels like, uh, you know, they're in an Olympic-sized pool with a a gust of of water behind them. So uh, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, I do want to break down how well they've played down the stretch. And really, that's that's been a hallmark of, of Mike Boynton's teams, and I want to discuss that. But let's talk more about the game, too. And and before the game, Colby, you know, I tweeted out this video of Mike Boynton back when they were originally supposed to play Bedlam, and he said, we don't like them. It's personal. For you guys who aren't from Oklahoma, it's personal. We don't like them, talking about Bedlam in, in Oklahoma. And all I did was tweet out that video with the words on it, and I just said, you know, Bedlam doubleheader. Mike Boynton, and I put the video out there. Well, <laughs> apparently Mike Boynton thought I was trying to get him to like backtrack or calling him out. I guess. He thought he said, I think Carson's trying to get me to backtrack. And no, I'm not backtracking. I don't like them. I want to win. I'm a competitive person. And I couldn't be doing anything further from the truth than making him backtrack. I love it. I think that's what Bedlam is all about. I want Long Kruger to say that. He's been pretty vanilla with all of his you know, it's just another game talk that we hear out of Mike Gundy year in, year out, which it wears OSU football fans out. And I think Mike Boynton knows that. I think he he's really embracing what Bedlam is, and it's a rivalry. Like, you can respect Oklahoma, but you're dang sure not supposed to like them. And he can say that. 
And I guess after the game, he opened before he opened up the questions that if Carson's in here, he can ask the first question since he was tweeting at me. So I guess I need to hop on the, the post-game presser tonight, which I don't want to do it if they lose. I need you to help me decide, Colby. Should I hop on if they lose or just only if the OSU wins? Just so I, I'm, I, I have man, to answer to him. That's totally up to you. That's I did it was so funny though, because I saw that and I'm like, you know, you and I have been doing this podcast, and I knew what you meant, obviously, whenever you tweeted that out. What you meant is this is an awesome quote from the head coach. We don't <laughs> like them. This is Bedlam. Go, I mean, you, you got to be out for out for blood in Bedlam. That, that's what everybody wants. It's not just another game. I, I don't care what anybody says. It's not just another game. It's a rivalry. And, you, you know, it's been a good rivalry for a long time, and it's a great rivalry this season. That's another reason to me that Saturday, what Cade did distinguishes it from other years in Bedlam and other Bedlam performances is because this is with two teams who have expectations and who have goals to win games in the NCAA tournament and, and have realistic expectations of doing that. So I, I think that Mike Boynton uh, was perfect talking about we don't like them. And another thing I like, Carson, I don't know if you noticed this, in that little quip, clip that you tweeted out, he's like, you know, some of you guys who aren't from here, I hope you know, we don't like them. And, you know, Mike Boynton's not from here. Mike Boynton's from New York. But Mike Boynton understands the fan base. He just, it, it's, it's amazing to me that somebody like Mike Boynton, who's a total outsider coming into Oklahoma State, which typically and historically, Carson, has been a place where insiders have been the most successful at the head coaching position. He came in and, and he so quickly grasped what the culture is like at Oklahoma State, the, the remember the 10, Bedlam being more than a game, we don't like them. He has just totally grasped all of that, uh, and I think it's commendable. But, yeah, I, I think he totally misinterpreted your tweet, so then I found his reaction hilarious. Yeah, and I, I tried to respond. He said I was tweeting at him. That's what I was doing. I was trying to, like, let him know, like, no, like, I, I love this. I want – like, I'm all about interesting. Saying it's another game is not interesting, and, frankly, it's a disservice to the fans because – it's not just another game. It absolutely is not. And for you to say so, to me, is an insult to the fan base and it's a disservice to the fan base. So I loved what he had to say. And I think this is a key point. It's a, it's a big difference too, because, you know, Travis Ford was great in terms of remember the 10. He still wears the remember the 10 pin. He, he'll still rock the orange jacket and honor them and all that. And I think he got a lot of things about OSU. It just didn't work out. He just didn't win enough games. We all know that. That's where I think it's a slight difference with Mike Boynton is that Travis Ford, when you'd ask him about Bedlam, he would just kind of shrug it off and not want to talk about it. Just, I just hope we can, you know, he would, he would always shrug off the rivalry instead of embracing it. That's a key difference, I think, because Ford, I think, did his damnedest. He tried. He really did get Stillwater. He became part of it, and he, he did all the right things was remember the 10. But, but my boy, I think he sees the frustration that fans have with uh, just another game talk when it comes to football. He ain't about that life. Because he, he came out and said it, and he backed it up with a win. And and not only is it just a great performance you mentioned with Cade beating you know, a nationally relevant team, it was OSU's first ever win in Norman against a top-10 team. First time they'd ever gone to Norman and won. I think OU had won 18 of 20 Bedlam games in Norman. So Lloyd Noble is not viewed as a tough place to play just in terms of the setting and the way the stands are filled. But that's a place OSU doesn't win very often. You got to see it firsthand. Yeah, I did. And it, it's – you know, just going back to Boynton, I really think we talked about it preseason. We talked about it early in the season. We knew 
that this season, the 2020-2021 season, was going to be a huge measuring stick for Mike Boynton because his first few years on campus, you remember, I mean, he kicked guys off the team, and then he had guys do some stupid stuff and had to get kicked off the team. They had walk-on tryouts. And it's to me, it's so hard to judge a coach under those circumstances because how do you know if a guy can coach whenever every time they take the floor, they just don't have enough guys. They just don't have enough talent on the floor to compete with what's on the other side. Well, this year, the talent's been pretty comparable between Oklahoma State and some of the other teams in the conference. You look at the top 25 in college basketball, Baylor is still sitting there at number three, but but even you go down further in the Big 12, West Virginia is six, and then uh, Kansas is all the way back up to 13, and then 15 through 18, that's all Big 12. Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state and texas tech the the competition is is comparable this year in the big 12 and oklahoma state's nine and six in conference they're the 17th ranked team in the country finally after two big marquee wins last week uh including the 40 burger from kate on saturday they moved up to 17 in the ap rankings they play three ranked teams this week two of those in the top six so i think that they have another uh chance to, to make a big impact this week and now we're getting to the point carson where we're starting to talk seeding for the ncaa tournament and it's starting to look much much more favorable for oklahoma state yeah i think i saw cbs had OSU was like a five i don't i didn't see yeah. where espn has them right now but to go from uh, the eight had them as a four Somebody four. had a four. I can't remember who it was. That might have been right, too. Yeah, I think it's four or five. But, yeah, they, they'd be in the four or five matchup if they were to win the first-round game. But to your point, you know, Illinois is the new leader in quadrant one wins. They have eight. Five teams have seven quad one wins. They're Gonzaga, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma State. So we've talked a ton on this podcast for years about the potential of Mike Boynton. Fans love him. He's killing it on the recruiting trail. I've said we need to see some results now. It's, it's you know, basketball, the, the roster turnover, the amount of bodies you have, you can win quickly in basketball. And I wanted to see that. Obviously, getting Cade Cunningham was huge. But, man, he's finally getting the results that, that we've wanted to see, Cole, because they're among the nation's best in, in quadrant one wins. And re they're really building a legitimate, you know, salty tournament resume. Now it's just, you know, they're in the tournament, obviously. Now it's just to see how, how high they can climb. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's very comforting to know as you're going into the NCAA tournament that no matter who you play, you've got the best player on the floor. Now, obviously, if you play Gonzaga, Butler, or Baylor, Michigan, somebody like that, you're not going to have the best team. You're still going to have to pull off an upset to beat one of those teams. But in those early rounds, if you get a 5-12 or a 4-13, and then you face like a Virginia in the second round as a five seed, you're going to have by far the best player on the court. And then you just need the role players uh, to step up and do some things. I thought Matthew Alexander Moncrief, he, he wasn't a, a powerhouse offensively at seven points on Saturday, but he was huge on the glass. 12 rebounds in 32 minutes. Oklahoma State out-rebounded OU by 17 on Saturday, which I thought was huge. just absolutely phenomenal. And Carson, I don't think we can really overstate how big of a deal it was for Bryce Williams to get his confidence back in that second half. He had struggled for a couple of games. He had zero points in that game at like the 12 minute mark. And he finished with 15. He just got hot. Avery Anderson had another good game finished with 15. Rondell Walker had had his first seven points of the game were on a four point play. And then an old fashioned three point play. He finishes the game with 11. So four guys in double figures, even when your star goes off for 40, I, I love that even uh, distribution of scoring that Oklahoma State had yeah it's, it was more than Cade it really was I know he had 40 but really this is illustrating why 
OSU's building, you know, a salty resume is it's more than just Kate. These role players have really started to come into their own. They've now won four straight. They're 4-0 and in overtime, which I think speaks to a lot to having the best player on the floor in Cade Cunningham. But I also think it speaks to the head coach, who I want to talk more about, Colby. You know, Mike Boynton's career record is 67-55. and 55. His career Big 12 record is 29-40. and 40. Yet he has an unmitigated, <laughs> uh, unabashed approval rating of like 1,000% with OSU fans because of all the things we've mentioned in this show. But I will say this. What did we always say about Eddie Sutton teams? The longer that season went, the further down the schedule they went, the better they always got. They were always playing their best basketball at the end of the season. Look no further than the 95 Final Four team. They really stumbled coming out of the gates and then just went on an absolute terror and made it to the Final Four. That was probably the most prime example. But Mike Boynton's team to do the same. Uh, Mike Boynton has a 42%. This is from Marshall Scott on PFB. If you want to read more about Boynton's closing stretch of seasons, he's won 42% of his big 12 games in his first three seasons. The Cowboys are nine and six in the final. uh, 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 Here we go. The Cowboys are nine and six in the final five games of each regular season. They're two and zero this season in the final five games against Oklahoma, Baylor and West Virginia to play. So he's won 65% of his games in the final five games of the season with a 42% 42% win record the rest of the way. What that tells you, Colby, I think is, you know, you've mentioned the roster trouble Mike's had, and that's certainly true. I think he's shown that he's a good coach and that he can figure out those roster struggles. And I think this year you're seeing he can groom young players to playing winning Big 12 basketball by the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, last year we saw him go through the disastrous stretch in the middle of the season, and then they get hot late and win several in a row to close the year, and it, it kind of looks like they're hitting their stride right now. The two overtime wins last week were huge, and I think another thing that I've noticed about this team, and, and this is where we talk about growth, right, like clear, evident growth that you can see from a basketball team is early in the year. You remember all the questions we had about them being able to win close games, Carson? I mean, close games were were an issue. It was a big concern. They lose to TCU to open conference play by a point. Uh, Four days later, they lose to Texas by three. A week later, they've got West Virginia on the ropes down by 19. They give up that lead. They lose that game by three points. And then now, Carson, they they played Texas, beat them in double overtime a couple of weeks ago. They beat Texas Tech twice in overtime this year. They beat Oklahoma in overtime on Saturday after, you know, it looked like Cade had sealed it with the game-winning block. Bryce hits one out of two free throws, and then they come down. Man, it gets a layup. And so it was a crushing end to regulation that you even had to go to overtime. They bounce right back and win that game. They had the close game against Arkansas a couple of weeks ago that they were able to close out and win by four. The, the game against Kansas, Kansas and Stillwater earlier this year that they won right at the end. You've seen this team, you know, early in the year, it was a bunch of freshmen who looked scared of the moment and, and they were not ready to win basketball games. And now Carson, if you get to the five minute mark and you're tied with Oklahoma state, you've got problems. You better be ahead of Oklahoma state with five minutes left in the game. Otherwise they've got a closer like you don't have, and that's going to create a problem for some teams uh, in the tournament, because I think Oklahoma state right now feels like if they can just get you in a close game at the end, they can beat you. Absolutely. Cause that's what they're doing. And to, to finish your point about that, Mike Boyden was quoted as saying, it's just part of our plan in terms of playing well at the end of the season. It's the thing we preach in recruiting, improvement, development, and our team plays their best at the end of the year. We haven't always had great records, but we've almost always played better at the end of the season than maybe at the beginning, and that's just part of the process. So I think that's 
that illustrates just how well they're playing right now, Colby. And obviously that leads us into game two, the Bedlam uh, doubleheader tonight, Big Monday. And before we get into that game, Colby, I just want to say, like, when I was growing up, Bedlam basketball was the Super Bowl of the state of Oklahoma. It was so Bedlam basketball was so much bigger than Bedlam football, partly because OU was down. OSU had not become the program they are now in football. And partly because it was Eddie Sutton and Kelvin Sampson, two of the best in the country going head to head and just ab waging absolute wars against each other. Those games were absolutely battles every single night. And for me, it's refreshing to see a nationally relevant Bedlam game that was on ABC prime time or not prime time afternoon game on e on ABC for the entire country to watch. Obviously, Kate Cunningham brings a lot of eyeballs, but it's just refreshing, Colby, because you've mentioned it. OSU has been in this quagmire ever since they let Sean Sutton go, really. OU has been kind of up and down under Long Kruger. But this year, man, we finally get some big time Bedlam and it's going to be capped off tonight on, on Big Monday. Yeah, it is. And I I'm really glad I went to the game Saturday. Carson, I really worry that tonight could be an ugly, ugly basketball game because I think there's going to be a lot of guys gassed. Oklahoma State played two overtime games last week. Oklahoma State had Cade, Avery Anderson, and Rondell Walker all play at least 40 minutes on Saturday. Bryce played 35 minutes. Moncrief played 32 minutes. OU had a couple guys play 40 minutes. By the way, Austin Reeves played all 45 minutes of that game. He didn't get a rest. Harmon played 40. Gibson played 36. Harkless played 32. I, I am totally anticipating, you know, we had 94-90 on Saturday. Would not shock me at all if tonight's game is like 63-61 because I, I just, I mean, these are people. These aren't robots. So don't be surprised if we see sloppy basketball tonight because I think guys still might be gassed, not only physically, Carson. You know how hard it would be to get yourself to the same intensity level 48 hours after going to battle like they did for 45 minutes on Saturday. I just, <laughs> I, I think it could be sloppy tonight. That's a great point. It could be like a, you know, a throwback to Eddie Sutton, Kelvin Sampson yeah. game in the forties. That's, uh, that's I, an important by the point. Way, you seen the spread on this game? I have not. G give me a guess. If you were guessing the line, I would say OSU by three. You only missed it by five and a half points and you're on the wrong side. I was shocked. Carson, OU's a two and a half point favorite tonight. Whoa. Two and a half point favorite on the so road. They're, water. they're begging you to pick o to take OSU there. Oh yeah. That line, that line terrifies me. Makes me think OU's going to win by six or seven. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a scary thing. Scary deal. Yeah. there. Kind of took um, me back a little bit earlier when I saw it. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a bad sign. I don't like that at all, but I, I picked OSU to, to sweep uh, Bedlam. I, 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 the biggest reason I picked that, before we got to the first game, Colby was, you know, OSU's weakness is inside and OU just does not have the five spots been their biggest trouble all year. And they haven't had very many troubles to be honest, but they've played Kirk West there who I thought played pretty well against OSU over the weekend. He did play well. He's not an offensive threat. He's more of a defensive rebounding, but he can, he can generate some offense. They've even and played Brady. Saturday, I think they were all dunks. Right. He's a kind of a, just a, a pick and roll DeAndre Jordan type. And they played Brady Manick there. Manick kind of scared me. He got he got hot there at the end of this, the regulation against OSU. He's a guy that has played in a lot of bedlams. Uh, we all know the Gallagher guy, but Jim, my theory that the rims are just enticing for opposing players more than other gyms will be tested. But um, I think some of the keys of the game for me, Colby, you mentioned the free throw shooting. I'm totally with you there. The biggest key in this game by far, the way Oklahoma won as many top 15 opponent games this year was their turnovers. They would they would force so many turnovers 
against teams and get out in transition. OSU had 20 against Oklahoma, but they didn't have a single one in overtime. The final five minutes, they had zero. That was absolutely crucial. So I think Vegas thinks OSU is going to have another 20-ish turnovers, and that's going to be their undoing because that, to me, is by far the biggest key in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just – tonight, both teams, again, if it is a, a poor shooting performance, and I don't know that it will be, I'm just speculating, uh, then it's going to be who does all the ugly things. Carson, I mean, Oklahoma State, again, out-rebounded OU by 17 on Saturday. So huge. The offensive rebounds, 13 of those uh, that Oklahoma State was able to bring in, four of those from Moncrief. Uh, one thing that Oklahoma did better on Saturday than Oklahoma State did was pass the ball. Oklahoma State had 17 uh, – pardon me, Oklahoma had 17 assists to Oklahoma State's nine, and that was evident in the building. I don't know if it was as evident in the in the in on TV, Carson, but there was a possession in the first half whenever Oklahoma State was in the zone where – OU ran off, I think, 23 seconds of the shot clock, and the ball hit the floor twice on that possession. <laughs> it, it was just – it was unbelievable. I was there with my buddy who's a huge basketball nut, and we just both looked at each other and were like, oh, my gosh, Long Kruger just passed the ball around that entire possession. I know he's not actually on the floor, but it just totally looked like Long Kruger. Um, and also, Carson, I thought the coaching matchup Saturday – was chess, not checkers. I, I thought Long Kruger was trying to adjust what he did on Cade, but he was having a hard time making it work. Oklahoma State, Mike Boynton kept switching from man to zone, trying to do different things, throw different looks at Austin Reeves, who had a couple of great drives lately. I, I really thought that Mike Boynton held his own against a Hall of Fame coach in what I thought was a pretty good back and forth from the sidelines. No, I totally with you. And what I mean by you know Mike, Mike Boynton's coaching acumen, what you mentioned, I think – was was absolutely crucial. And that's one thing that Mike Boynton's done all season long. He loves to switch from man to zone. And Marshall Scott noted that, you know, Austin Reese had scored 14 of his 22 points in the second half and in overtime. Uh, or, uh, sec yeah, 14 of his 22 in second half and in overtime. But he switched back in overtime to zone, keeping the bigs off the perimeter. And the Sooners scored just one jump shot in the final two minutes of overtime as a result. It was a risk that he took. And I think Boynton, again, I've, I've, even when OSU was losing games, I think I've seen enough from him as a coach in terms of out-of-timeout possessions, the switching of the defenses. The one glaring I think, that thing I think it's been, been bugging Mike Boynton's tenure has been the lack of generating easy offense. It seems as if earlier in the season they were shooting too many threes and, and, on, and so on. But I think the way he was able to switch defenses to me is just another prime example why I think Mike Boynton's a heck of a coach. And you're right. Long Kruger's one of the best in the business, one of the best of all time. He, he always brings it uh, come bedlam time. But who are you picking? That, that point spread uh, scare you away? Well, here's the thing. I am true to what I said last week. And what I said last week was, I don't know which is going to be which, but I feel like they're going to split Bedlam. It, it just doesn't feel like the type of two-game in three days deal where one team uh, gets the clean sweep. Now, you might think it's more likely since the road team won the first one. I said it would be a split last week, Carson. I will stick with that initial predict prediction uh, and say that it will be a split. So I, I guess I'll pick OU to win tonight. But, gosh, I would love nothing more than for Oklahoma State to take the sweep that would just be it'd be way too sweet Carson I don't know if we can get it in 2021 it'd be way too sweet well you're on the safe side of things I mean picking us picking a split in bedlam is usually how it plays out but uh, rarely does the road team win the first game so but we'll we'll see I I'm sticking with my prediction I predicted before all this that OSU would win both I just think they're a good matchup or I think OU is a, a, a good matchup for them I think they're a bad matchup for Oklahoma and obviously Kate Cunningham did what he did and I will say this though Colby like 
OU made him work for that 40. Some of those shots were like NBA quality in that there's a hand right in his face and he just makes the shot because he's a, he's a pro. So I, I'm curious to see if Cade can have the same level of success, if OU can guard him as closely as they did. Because I think they did make him work for that 40. It was not an easy 40. It was a, that was a working man's 40 burger. But uh, that point spread scares me, Colby. But uh, I can't go back on my prediction either. So I'll, I'll take Oklahoma State. Yeah, I love the pick. I, I hope you're right. Uh, that would mean that they cover in a big way. If you do think they're going to win, you're getting uh, about plus 130 right now for OSU on the money line. So just to win straight up is about plus 130. All right. That's enticing. That's enticing. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, we, we do have some football news to get to before we do uh, – or no, let's let's do buckets and bricks, but then we'll, we'll break down some football news and then and we'll get out of here. Uh, buckets and bricks time, Colby, are positive and negative plays from the weekend. Uh do you want Kate or do you want me to have it? I put both of uh, us having Kate. I mean, on, honestly, if we both have it, we both have it. It is one of the greatest Bedlam performances we've ever seen, if not the greatest in college basketball. It, it was maybe the game of the year in college basketball. Um, and it was just, it was so much fun. And you, you know what else was really fun, Carson? It, it's so much fun going to a road game that your team wins. And the most satisfying part, and it was so, so sweet on Saturday afternoon, <laughs> is watching with like uh, 20, 30 seconds left in overtime and there's a foul committed or something and all the OU people start walking up the aisle toward the exits. Mm -hmm. So, so satisfying watching the building clear out with time on the clock. So Cade, I mean, he put the team on his back. He for sure gets my bucket. Yeah, I mean, I do want to shout out Avery Anderson. He scored 31 points the past two games. I think he's yep. really been a catalyst to this four-game winning streak. He's been... He's been awesome on, on both ends, and he was at it was a podium game for him and Cade Cunningham afterwards. So I want to give Avery Anderson a shout out. He's really been crucial to this this winning stretch that they've had. But I'm going with Cade too, and I think you know when I just start thinking of great performances by an Oklahoma State player, this one's going to be right there because I, I think of Randy Rutherford and Lawrence dropping 45 on the Jayhawks. I think of – I had one just on the tip of my tongue. Oh, Desmond Mason, I was there for a big Monday game against Kansas and old Gallagher where he just went bananas and was interviewed on ESPN right afterwards. This one's going to be right up there. There's many more that I, I, I'm not getting to off the top of my head. Obviously, Tony Allen was probably the best two-way player she's ever had, and I was in school when he was there. But I think this is one we're going to be talking about, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, especially – to me, it might be kind of like the – the Kevin Durant game and Gallagher Iba, how we always remember that game. We always remember that performance he had. We all remember the Byron Eaton counter performance to, to Kevin Durant's. But I think when we watch Cade Cunningham lighting it up in the NBA, Colby, we're going to, we're going to sit back and, you know, we'll be bouncing our grandkids on our knees and like, man, we remember that time Cade Cunningham dropped 40 on OU in Norman to be the top yeah. 10 team. And it's I'm going to tell cool. my grandkid, I'm going to, I'm going to show them that full, full game in its entirety. And I'm going to say, I was there kiddo. I was there. <laughs> Were you close? Could you point yourself out on TV or no? Uh, maybe. We were in the 10th row. So o, the direction OU was going in the second half, we were yeah. in the 10th row kind of on the corner opposite their bench. Okay. So we were – yeah, we were in a pretty good spot down there. Okay. Uh, who's your Brit? Uh, my Brit, Carson. And, and this one was easy for me. I knew what it was going to be as I was sitting in Norman on Saturday. My Brit is uh, the way that – OU and Lloyd Noble Center are handling COVID-19. I mean, Carson, it was a joke. 
it was an absolute joke. I'll just tell you right now. I don't know if they have any more home games. If you haven't been vaccinated uh, or you haven't had it in the last three months, like I have, would not recommend going to a game in Norman. They, they check your mask and everything in as you first go in the door. But once you're in the arena, it's a free-for-all, dude. You would have thought it was 2019. No mask wow. enforcement whatsoever. No seats were roped off, which I thought was absolutely insane. When I went to Stillwater for the Kansas game earlier this year, every seat that didn't have a person in it was roped off so that people couldn't get too close. That's how you ensure social distancing. No seats were roped off. Me and my buddy I went with actually had to move back two rows because some Oklahoma State fans, uh, surprisingly enough, came down and like sat right next to us in our row because these seats were open. So they just moved down from the second section. It was, I was just... It was totally bizarre. Nobody was having anybody put masks on. It was probably 70, 30 people not wearing masks. Uh, may, maybe, you know, to show it on TV, they were trying to find people that had them on to put them on the jumbo screen. But I was fine because I've had it within the last three months. But I went with one of my best friends who, you know, really wanted to go see Cade one time this year before he moves on to the NBA. And he's got an infant at home. And he was very uncomfortable being in that arena on Saturday. So I, I was overwhelmingly disappointed and quite frankly i think that anyone who has a hand in how covid19 protocols uh have been handled at lloyd noble arena you should be ashamed of yourself wow that's bad that's really bad uh for me i gotta give it to myself i'm giving myself a brick i apparently wasn't very oh. clear with my my tweet about mike boynton it's personal it's bedlam like i i loved that i thought it was great i was certainly was not trying to get him to walk that back in fact i was promoting it and uh so yeah i guess i need to be more clear on on twitter because boynton's named me by name twice now so we got to get him on the pod to, to hash this out but uh hopefully OSU need mike boynton on the pod yeah i'll, I'll try i'll work on that and uh, if osu wins i don't want to hop on there and be like hey mike i'm here you lost the game now i'm gonna show up like right so if yeah, they, if they lose, I probably won't do that. But if they win, I'm like, hey, I'm here. What would you want to ask me? So yeah, it might be poor myself form. a brick. Yeah, it so. might be poor form if they lost and you did that. But yeah, no, that was good. And it created a good little interaction there between you and Mike Boynton. <laughs> Real quick, Carson, while I'm already halfway on my soapbox. So after the game Saturday, couldn't believe this interaction that I had after the game Saturday. So we leave uh, Lloyd Noble Arena. We're, we're walking out to the parking lot. And, you know, there's a few hundred people walking out. And we walk by and there's a car parked in the front row in a handicap spot. And it has an Oklahoma state, an OSU license plate on the back of it. And I swear to you, this guy opens his door, takes his Arby's sack and cup and just chucks it like 15 feet out of his door into the middle of the parking lot yeah. and, and then closes his door. I, I was dumbfounded. Me and my buddy, we were like 30 feet away from his car. When it happened, we looked at each other like, did, did he, did he just do what we think he just did? And I'm, I'm just not the kind of person who can let stuff like that go. So naturally I walk up and I knock on the dude's window. So he rolls down his window and I said, I said, dude, did you just throw your trash in the middle of the parking lot? And I swear to you, Carson, I mean, this dude's wearing orange. I'm wearing orange. We're supposed to be on the same side. He looks right at me and says, Oh, I didn't mean to. And he starts rolling his window up. I said, are you bleeping serious? And he just kept rolling his window. I just shrugged wow. my shoulders at him. I was like, come on, dude. And then I picked up his trash and threw it away for him. Don't, just don't be a you you know what i'm saying everybody knows what i'm saying don't be that guy don't be that guy it was it was a weird weird day in norman on saturday <laughs> none of that you ruined like my that. experience of getting to watch k drop 40 but it was a weird day like i shouldn't be having to confront people in a parking lot for chucking arby's down 
it's like, am I the only adult here? Am I the only one that like knows right from wrong? Like this is insane. Yeah. I thought you were going to so, say he was going to just give you the bird and roll his window up. So at least he, at least he just lied instead. Yeah. I think he was probably giving me the bird in his head, but that's yeah, okay. Probably so. Uh, Cole, we've got some football news, some big, big news in terms of recruiting for Oklahoma State. Kendall Daniels, who's the number one player in the state this past year, out of Beggs, he was let out of his letter of intent by Texas A&M. He announces his commitment today to te- to Oklahoma State, and this really, Colby, is a big deal because he moves Oklahoma State's recruiting ranking way further up. He was the best player in the state, and this is all of a sudden, it already was one of the best defensive classes Mike Gundy's ever had. Now it on paper, it, it just might be. So, so big news in the recruiting world today for OSU. Yeah, it was. You know, I saw the news last week that he had decommitted from Texas A&M. And usually, you know, I wasn't expecting anything anytime soon at all because usually you get a decommit and it takes a while for somebody to figure out what's going to happen. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he decommitted from A&M with the intention that he was going to switch to Oklahoma State. I don't think he was just like totally opening it back up to everybody. And this is a big get for Oklahoma State. I mean, he's a six foot four safety, moves Oklahoma State up to number 30 on uh, 247 sports in the recruiting rankings. And I, I just, man, to get a guy like that on defense, and not only that, Carson, he's the number one recruit in the state this past year. You know, we all just hate, hate, hate whenever you see the number one, number two, number three guys in this state go to play ball elsewhere. So it's nice to keep that guy, get, just send him from Beggs to Stillwater, keep those Oklahoma roots, and keep that guy uh, in the state. So big, big get uh, for Mike Gundy, for Jim Knowles, and for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, it moves Oklahoma State up from 40 in the country, number 40 overall as a team, to number 30. It's come some 10 spots just by getting Kendall Daniels. And now they're, they're ranked third in the Big 12, Oklahoma 1, Texas 2, Oklahoma State 3. That's the level OSU needs to be recruiting at. I'm not asking them to beat out Texas and Oklahoma in the recruiting rankings. That's probably never going to happen. But be number three in the conference, not number eight or nine. Like TCU's nine, Iowa State's eight, Kansas State's seven, Kansas is six somehow. So this is a huge deal in terms of moving up Oklahoma State's level of recruiting. And I, I got to see him one time this year, Colby. I went out to cover his game against, I believe it was Washington. I went out to Washington, America to uh, cover a game for, for high school football. And I didn't know what number he was. I didn't, I didn't know a lot about him. I knew who he was. And it didn't take me long to realize who he was. I, I, he just passed the eye test. Like, okay, that, that kid's probably Kendall Daniels. This is, a small, this is a smaller class Oklahoma football. And there was a period of time there where they, Beggs was losing pretty bad. And he just immediately just took over the game and was just just – Clear, clearly the best player on the field. And I just thought, man, A&M's getting themselves a good one. I do wonder if he'll end up playing linebacker because, as you mentioned, he's 6'4", and he's got he's got a wiry frame. He, he has a lot of room to put on muscle. I do wonder if he'll move from, from safety to linebacker, kind of like Malcolm Rodriguez did at Oklahoma State. But make no mistake, OSU's getting a supremely, you know, a high-level four-star number one player in the state. Big-time get. Yeah, and I like that you bring up Malcolm Rodriguez. That was just the name that I was fixing to pull out of the hat. Very similar guy, you know, kind of in between size for safety and linebacker and has become a great linebacker at Oklahoma State. So that wouldn't shock me. I'll say this, though. If you have enough depth at linebacker that you can keep him at safety, and I'm talking Kendall Daniels whenever it comes his time to see the field, if you can keep him at safety, tell you what, Carson, there ain't nothing wrong with having somebody 6'4 back at safety. That's not what quarterbacks like to see. 
Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of like Trey Flowers. He was a kind of a tall, rangy, uh, lanky safety for Oklahoma State, now playing corner at the next level in the NFL, having a really great career. So, uh, again, you got to give up to Jim Knowles. I mean, again, this guy continues to coach really well on the field, and now he's put together one of the better defensive recruiting classes that, that we've seen at Oklahoma State. So Jim Knowles is fond of the cigars. I'm sure he's lighting up a big stogie. Uh, today to celebrate Kendall Daniels coming in the fold because you're right, Colby. It's it's great to see in-state talent stay there, and OSU now has I believe four of the top eight in-state kids uh, for this past recruiting class. So we we bag on Mike Gundy's recruiting when it's you know in the 40s and 50s and just nowhere near where it should be. So we got to praise them where it should be, and they're third best class in the Big 12. So so bravo well, and, to Mike Gundy. Real quick, just one more thing on on the recruiting with Mike Gundy. I remember everything happened last summer and it was kind of panic mode as to, you know, are our kids going to want to come play for Mike Gundy? I mean, the answer is clearly yes. They, they've put together a good recruiting class this year, better than we've seen in years past. So it, it's been impressive to me, uh, y- you know, whenever things were just everything went wrong last summer, a lot has gone right since then with Oklahoma state football. So you give credit where credit is due uh, there. And then just one more thing on Kendall Daniel's size we get from time to time some pretty elite tight ends that are, are pretty big come through the Big 12, and it's hard to find a guy on the defensive side to match up with those guys. I mean, at 6'4", that's somebody that you expect to someday be guarding the Austin Stogners and uh, Charlie Kolars of the world. So it, it'll be nice to have a guy with that size uh, in your secondary. That's a great point. Big 12 just loaded with tight ends, and you're right. It's hard to find a guy who can cover those types of players. So. Big time, big time, big time. You know, what's also big time is, you know, we were wondering how Tylen Wallace was going to do come combine time, pro day time. And the report out of ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported over the weekend that Tylen Wallace was clocked in at a 4.3940 time at the Exos Pro Day, which Colby, and we all know, you know, Tylen doesn't have the, the height necessarily at 6'4", 6'5". He's about 6'1". He doesn't have just – we didn't think he had just the blazing measurables in terms of speed and, and all that. We, we thought he was going to have to rely on his game tape because he just flat-out dominates on the outside. But according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, he, he put up some times that will turn pros' heads and probably get him drafted quicker. Yeah, he did, and that's good for Tylen because, you know, the speed was the one thing that I was maybe a little worried about, and maybe I shouldn't have been. Uh, I don't know. Exos is a nationwide athletic training company, held its own pro day. Like you said, 439, I mean, 439, that is head-turning speed. Kind of that 4-4 number for whatever reason, we, we've made it the artificial cutoff between this guy can fly and, oh, yeah, he, he can run. Um, so, I don't know, 439, if that's a legit – laser number that people can't question who was running the stopwatch and all that stuff, uh, then that's a big-time number for Tylen Wallace that could move him up from – I've seen him, like, uh, end of the second, early third. M- maybe a good number gets him up into the early to middle second. So, yeah, that's that's big time whenever you can put up a number on the board for teams to look at. Yep, for sure, because we know he has the production. And uh, Pro Football Focus's college account has put out some stats, too, that – that only further illustrate how great Tylen Walls, the college level, you know, these scouts have to notice this too, but he was the highest graded pass catcher. Uh, they, they graded all the pass catchers at certain alignments. They graded the left wide receiver. That was Devonte Smith. And the slot was Devonte Smith in line was Kyle Pitts and the right wide receiver was Tylen Wallace. He was the highest graded at that. And Kyle Pitts had the most contested catches at 24. Tylen Wallace was tied for second with 21 in terms of, most contested catches the last two seasons in the 21 draft class. So his production, his tape is there. 
So it's really exciting, Colby, coming off the ACL that he had a year ago to to put up that number. And I think he's going to go much higher in the draft than, than maybe we anticipated. So that's, that's really great to see. Yep, absolutely. Just go to a good spot. Go to a good spot. You know, if, if middle to late second gets him to a better spot than early to middle second, then that's what I want because – I mean, we all know there have been good receivers who go to the NFL. They wind up on bad teams, don't have anybody throwing the ball, and, boy, it's hard to put up numbers whenever you don't have somebody to get you the ball. Yep, no doubt. All right, Colby, one interesting thing. What do you got? I wanted to just thing, a couple things. Just one quick note to wrap up our conversation about Cade earlier. He got all the awards last week. National Player of the Week, Andy Katz's Player of the Week, and he was Big 12 Player and Newcomer of the Week. No surprise there. He, he deserves all those accolades. Uh, my one interesting thing, Carson, it was a polar opposite experience last week uh, at the WGC for Victor Hovland and Matt Wolf, the two Oklahoma State Cowboys. Victor Hovland finishes T2 in that event, cashes nearly 800,000, moves up in the European Ryder Cup rankings uh, and moves up the FedEx Cup list. And Matthew Wolf shot, uh, I believe it was an 11 over 83, if I'm remembering right, on Thursday and then ended up withdrawing from the event after that round on Thursday. So polar opposite rounds there and several Cowboys in the field this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. But shout out Victor Hovland, man. It's, you know, that college graduating class had Morikawa, Hovland, and Wolf in it. Now, obviously, Morikawa has the lead amongst those three. Right now, it'd probably be Morikawa. I mean, just in terms of wins, it'd be Morikawa, Hovland, and then Wolf. Uh, but all three of those have played great golf in their young career. So hopefully, Wolf is able to find his game and get back to where he was this fall. And hopefully, uh, Hovland keeps it rolling because his last three starts have all been in the top five with two runner-ups. So Victor Hovland playing great golf. Victor Hovland, also my one interesting thing. His last seven worldwide starts, first T3, T31, T2, T6, T5, T2. So pretty good. And I think, I guess I'll, I'll leave it on this note. You know, everyone was wearing red and rightfully so for Tiger. They're wearing the, the black, red, black combinations to honor Tiger. And Victor wore black, orange, black. And he was asked about that. Obviously, everyone knows he went to OSU, but he was asked about it. And he just said, orange is a better color than red. That was, his, that was his response. So even he won't let the Bedlam dog die in him. He was, he was not going to wear red out of, out of uh, hatred for Oklahoma, which it is Bedlam week. It is Bedlam doubleheader week. So uh, I love that from Victor. Yeah, it is Bedlam week. Victor, you know, he wears orange a lot on the tour. Bunch of guys wore red. Bunch of guys didn't. I, you know, the, the guys who didn't weren't disrespecting Tiger. Uh, the guys who did, it was a really cool gesture. So it's been cool to see what the game of golf has done in the last week to honor Tiger Woods. But yeah, Victor, just, you're right, buddy. Orange is a better color. <laughs> we'll end it on that note. Colby, uh, great to talk to you. Enjoy Bedlam tonight, and we'll get back with you later this week. Bedlam basketball, another 40-burger coming in hot.